Welcome to the Mint City Soccer Show. I am your host, Matt Swift. No David Gussler tonight. He's taking a much needed break. And also, I think he's getting a new puppy. Saw some photos out there, so you'll have to update us next episode. But we do have a special guest. And if you've been (laughs) joining us for Soccer and Coffee on Match Days, you may be familiar with this guy. But it's his first appearance on the podcast. Let me introduce you to... Jose Nunez, Philadelphia Union beat writer. Jose, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Matt. It's been uh, an interesting year for, I think, both of our teams uh, in in different ways. Uh, But, you know, I had so much fun chatting with David last year when he came over to the show that at the time I was a commenter. Now I'm part of it and just kind of let me explore being more involved in the media side. So once I start to know David a little bit uh, better, I start following you guys a little bit more. And you guys are near and dear to my heart with uh, a sort of what you're all going through in terms of uh, growing as a team, but also having family in the Raleigh, Nightdale, Cary type of area. So it's uh, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina uh, as a whole, I should say, is just something that's near and dear to me. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining. I one, I, I think you'll be able to kind of give us a a unique perspective. We all we always appreciate your input on soccer and coffee. Uh, we're definitely going to be talking about our uh, matchup on Wednesday night between our two teams. But uh, before we get started, for people that may not know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how long you've been covering the the union. Yeah, so I'm actually fairly new at this, right? I've been a supporter of the Philadelphia Union for it's since its inception, right back in 2010. So been following the team all along, but now over the last uh, two years or so, been more engaged uh, as I moved closer and closer to the Philadelphia area. Uh, been a season ticket holder for two or three years at this point, but during college and shortly after, I was just a partial season ticket holder. So, uh, been engaged that way too. But now in the media over the last year, really making headway in, in terms of providing a sort of uh, avenue for our Spanish speaking players, right? Mm-hmm. Something that the team, I think, does okay. But when it comes to the press pool, I am one, if not one of two people who are fluent uh, in Spanish. So Mm -hmm. as we think about the growing diversity of our team and city, uh, Mm -hmm. something that was deeply needed. And especially when you take a look at, you know, that that little blip of a tournament that we had called Leaks Cup, right? Uh, Was literally the only person that could sit in those rooms Mm -hmm. with the Mexican coaches and actually communicate with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quite comical, actually, because, you know, you had these coaches come in and they're waiting for questions and nobody was raising their hand. So the only one who was just peppering them for five, six minutes worth of questions. So I think something that needed to be addressed. And I'm just glad to be the man. Nice. That's uh, that's that's neat. And uh, I, I feel like here in Charlotte, we have a, a good mix of <clears throat> I don't know if you want to call them journalists or or whatever you want to call them. You know, we I, th- I feel like we have a good mix. Uh, Charlotte's a, a big melting pot and I, I like how diverse we are. Uh, and I'm really kind of proud of, of some of our you know, content creators and, and people that are able to speak to some of the players that may not speak English well at all. Uh, and feel like they're, you know, represented and and everything like that. Um, so you've been covering Union for for two years. What's it been like, kind of on that side, going from maybe fan to? I don't know if you want to call yourself a journalist or you know or whatever, but what's what's that been like? Is is it a shift in how you kind of 
view the team and the players? It's had to be right. I I made the cardinal sin, I guess, of journalism of of using the we you know, as a fan <laughs> journalist a couple of times, and I've been friendly enough with a, a few folks in the media that are willing to help me and correct me and have sort of guide me throughout this whole uh, adventure that I think I've taken on over the last couple of years. But it's been really exciting, you know, again, taking a lot of pride in the work that I do and, and sort of flexing that Spanish speaking, Spanish writing muscle that I have and, and making sure that I'm giving the Jose Martinez's of the world and the Jesus Buenos's of the world an opportunity to uh, be able to speak their native language and mm -hmm. not need a translator where I can help them with that, right? And they can feel comfortable enough to talk to me and not having an you know, intermediary sort of taking what they're saying changing it into one sentence, two sentence answers, and then regurgitating it to the overall press pool where mm -hmm. I'm there and I can actually take everything they're saying and actually flesh it out, right? Where they probably feel more comfortable. And in fact, they've told me they felt more comfortable. So it's been, it's been an adventure and, and one that I hope to continue to, to be in. Obviously, being a dad of two and not doing journalism, content creation full time, it's yeah. been sort of something that, you know, I've had to have a conversation with my wife and making sure she understands that the commitment that I'm doing for a hobby versus, you know, my, my first job as a dad and second, you know, being a professional fundraiser, which is what I do for uh, a living, uh, no. being a, okay. a beat writer number three. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a lot of things. It's funny how a hobby can turn almost into a second uh, job, pretty much. Um, you you mentioned something that I that I want to touch on. Um, having like interpreters, and it's almost like a game of telephone. <laughs> yeah, um, and and it's it's I know it's difficult for players coming here when they get asked, you know, kind of difficult questions, and they they have they they try to relay what they're thinking in English. Sometimes tone and the phrasing can get misconstrued. Has that, have you found that to be an issue at all? Like, are they just, are they able to convey what they really want to say in their native tongue? And uh, maybe when they, when it's translated or they try to speak in English, it's broken and it doesn't come across well. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. Uh, I mean, think about any, for example, I'm guessing that Swiderski probably speaks just fine uh, in terms of English. But when, mm -hmm. if you were to ask him, what would you prefer to talk to me? And I'm guessing that he would pick his native tongue, right? Cool. Uh, it's the same here with our Spanish speaking players. Um, I'm sure same with our Hungarian players, same with our German speaking players, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think about the individuals in the room and... I don't want to call out anything, but I think that there could be more of an investment in terms of a translator slash interpreters. Right now, the situation in Philadelphia is a little dire uh, that without mm. me, it would be very much uh, sort of an ad hoc situation, right? Mm. It's uh, I'll say it. It's it's they they literally grab a guy from marketing who speaks Spanish, not a not a professional translator, not a professional interpreter, literally just the guy that speaks Spanish in the PR department to be trotting around with our two or three Spanish speaking players, which to me is very disappointing and in a way, and, and you know, I, I'm always very, very proud to say it, that I have a, a friendly relationship with the club, but also one that's adversarial when it has to be. And this is one of those topics that sort of mm -hmm. get me fired up, right? We have players that are incredibly talented at what they do. I'm sure are, have a lot of emotions running through them, 
before, during, and after a match and to not be able to fully allow them to express that and, and connect with that population that makes up Philadelphia is, is disappointing mm-hmm. to me. Uh, so I've sort of taken it on as sort of my, my mission to continue to bridge that gap between the team mm-hmm. and the population and using audio, video. Um, I've been getting better at creating .srt files, right? Subtitles mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. upload to videos and, and nice. having fun with them. So that's that's been helpful. But in, in reality, you know, I've been told at least over the last 12 months that I've been sort of working, you would hardly really ever hear from these players. And when you did, mm-hmm. it was probably just the big three press sites in the city. And they would just yeah. get, again, that young translator guy. And they would just get, mm-hmm. you know, one or two sentences when in reality, they're talking to me for 45 seconds, really expressing themselves. So it's been it's been an experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. And I, I guess... You know, here in Charlotte, we've been very lucky with the the content creators that we do have that can speak to our our our, our foreign players and and make them feel like they they can be a little more comfortable and say exactly what's on their mind in their native native tongue. Um, let me ask you about the front office there um, here, and especially uh, of late, the front office has really. Uh, opened up some to the content creators here. You know, we had Zoran on our show. Uh, I know the Charlotte Soccer Show just had Joe LeBou on. Yep. Uh, Queen's Pitch is also, you know, starting to get uh, some players on. How's it been like uh, for you up in up in Philly? Yeah, I want to commend you and David and, and really all of the different content creators in that pocket of the country and, and getting access to these folks and, and maybe the, the not only congratulate you, but as weird as it is, congratulate the man, right? The, the, yeah. the big, the big boss in, in terms mm-hmm. of allowing some of these voices to come out and talk to you. And whether that's <laughs> out of wanting to or out of necessity to sort of, again, build bridges considering the situations sure. that you guys have been over the last couple of years, that's a different right. question altogether that I think you and I can read between the lines and <laughs> uh, regional minds can defer maybe on what the answer is. But in terms of Philadelphia, it's really interesting. Um, We're very fortunate in our press area, uh, press box specifically, we have three rows. I think it can house about 25 people, 30 people um, during game day and every single seat's taken, uh, which is awesome. And sure, you have the big three or the legacy three, as you may call it, right? The Philadelphia Inquirer. Delco Sports, which is a local area newspaper that has been with the Philadelphia Union since its inception, more or less, covering it. And one more guy who has been hopping around, but ultimately has really, really good ties with the team. Um, One example I'll give you that is sort of frustrating to me is uh, as a content creator, I was fortunate enough to get that Kai soundbite um, a couple of weeks ago about his uh, desire to depart due to the disagreement in terms of pay for the upcoming season. Um, and then this past Friday during, um, open practice, which of course it's in the middle of the day to allow the kids, to allow the parents to bring the kids, et cetera. Adults can come in and watch, et cetera. Um, Ernst Tanner, the, the general manager, whatever you want to call it, sporting director held a small sit down with those three to talk about that situation. But never, never contacted me specifically. And yeah, maybe I'm a little bitter and, and sounding off a little bit here. But <laughs> I felt that maybe as the one who actually asked the man the question that, you know, sure, you know, would you like to talk? It's like, 
I actually did ask you for a comment and you declined. And now you're having mm-hmm. to sit down with the other three. So yeah. it's, I think it's improving. And I think that's where maybe a fresh face or a fresh perspective has been helpful too, right? We've had a lot of content creators who have been doing it for a little while now and me sort of coming in, crashing and, and maybe... Uh, not doing the, not knowing the rules or, or what is expected or, or what is, uh, uh, you know, good decorum, Mm -hmm. uh, in this, in this line of, you know, for me, hobby for some work, uh, can be good because I've been sort of pushing the boundaries, right? And, and asking for players and asking for access to X, Y, or Z, uh, where I'm hoping to, for example, talk with our, uh, uh, um, lead groundskeeper to talk about, Dude, you we've the, the Philadelphia Union have hosted over forty games in one season. How are you doing this? Can you tell me? You know, like no one would yeah. have expected that. And, yeah. and I think ignorance is bliss in this in this type of hobby. So I think it's improving, and I hope it improves because I think a lot of those folks have their information behind paywalls, and I get that. Right? Mm. People have to work, yeah. and people have to eat, and completely respect and understand that. But why should that limit? content creation when in reality outside of you giving me a seat for the match parking and i don't i don't even eat at the press box mm-hmm. uh it's not costing you more than 30 dollars for me and to me it's criminal 30 dollars to park but nonetheless it's only costing you 30 30 to get organic press so yeah. i hope it improves and i think again not knowing how it all works is sort of helped me just say i want to do this and yeah. them sort of saying okay <laughs> you know yeah, no that 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 makes that makes total sense. Um, let's pivot to our collective matches on Saturday. Um, Where do you want to start? I know what you, a mess. <laughs> we'll 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 start we'll start with the union. Uh, you guys had a doozy and some uh, red cards. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we um, did. So it looks like, you know, you, you guys played Cincinnati, who's a, a, an amazing team. Uh, and from the outside, it kind of looked like a tale of two halves. Uh, looked good the first half pretty much, right? And then the second half, maybe not as not as well. Uh, Jack Elliott, uh, I believe in the 94th minute, picked up his second, second yellow, right? Uh, so he's going to miss our match against Charlotte FC. That's kind of good news for us. Maybe not so much for, for you guys, but... Tell me a little bit about uh, kind of what you saw that game and uh, how big of a miss will that be for Jack not playing against us? Yeah, you nailed it, right? It, it truly was a tale of two halves, but I don't want it to get lost in this conversation that the what I believe to be this season's MVP was missing. Lucho Acosta was not playing due to card accumulation for Cincinnati. So let's keep that in mind when we talk about a 2-2 draw win in reality. I think you throw in Lucho and it probably is a 4-2 loss for the Union despite being at home. So I just want to make sure that that's out there and then fully fully cognizant. We're all really thinking about, you know, this team tied against Philadelphia in Philadelphia, a place where the where the Union don't typically lose or really even draw over the last couple of years and they did it. So yeah, till two halves. We started very strong, very fast. Uh, we were just really going at them. But it's interesting that you know our coach Jim Curtin, who is <laughs> he 
he's been sort of the master of a lot of things. And, and by that, I mean, you know, also having a lot of people learning from him and Pat mm-hmm. Noonan being one of them, being the head coach of Cincinnati, uh, uh, an offspring per se of the coaching tree that is Jim Curtin, um, really figuring out what the union are all about and sort of negating any advantage that we have or any way of playing uh, that we've had over the last couple of years. So he's done an incredible job with Cincinnati and Chris Albright also Hmm. our sporting director left Philadelphia to go to Cincinnati, but not only did he leave, but he also got a wallet (laughs) that is willing to spend (laughs) over there over what we have here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, But in terms of this match, the the second half was completely different. And Jim Curtin made some comments uh, or a comment specific, specifically, which I picked up on. And I think a lot of people did. And, and reading between the lines, Jim hasn't been shy about comments, especially ever since he got his contract renewed. Uh, <laughs> he's in, safe. In talks. <laughs> yeah, he's safe. Well, his first comment mm-hmm. a couple of weeks back was about the facilities and apologizing Mm -hmm. to the players in a very public forum being a press Mm -hmm. conference with all of the press fast forward to our loss to Toronto, uh, away, which was a shocker considering that Cincinnati that day, I think had dropped points or was had tied, had tied. Um, and then you go into this game and after the match, Jim says, well, they brought in an $8 million player at their in the second half and he did $8 million player things. And you sort of read between the lines and it's kind of like, well, are you calling out ownership? Because that's sort of what I'm sensing. Um, And that's exactly what happened, right? This player went in, went in for Sergio Santos, again, another union offspring who was a player for us a couple of years back. And uh, Bupenza, I believe is his name, came in and just tilted that game upside down and, and, Credit to them. They took their chances. And, and frankly, I would not have been surprised to lose. Um, though it has to be said that the referee was very card happy. 12 yellow cards, two Ooh, red cards yeah. in the entirety of that match. Uh, yeah. it, so he was very involved and I think wanted to be involved from the get-go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing about some referees. They want to be the center of attention. That's never a good thing. Before we move forward, you brought up something. And I, I, <clears throat> I want to uh, kind of ask you some questions about this. Charlotte FC has been a little under fire about spending. Uh, and some of our fans have talked about, you know, not not spending enough. <clears throat> Philadelphia is not really known as a as a spending team. I think you guys more rely on your your pipeline, which you have a good one. I think now we're building that. But what's it like as a Philly fan being able to compete well with maybe not spending as, you know, clearly as much as some other teams? It, 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 I hate to use this term, but it depends on which of the which side of the aisle you fall on, right? Um, you can be very, very proud of what the union have done, and I think a lot of us are, right, mm-hmm. in terms of growing this pipeline of young academy players or or homegrowns, whatever you want to call it, but also on the other side, being very proud of spending very little money on third division players, second division players in Hungary, Venezuela, mm-hmm. e, uh, you know, European countries, South American countries, and finding these gems, Jesus Bueno, for example, Jose Martinez, Liam Flock, Daniel Gastag, Mikel Ua, though more of a you know higher profile with Bromby, but finding these gems and bringing them and plugging them into a, a union system to make it work. But now that 
a certain Argentine has landed in, in Florida, <laughs> you start to think, how yeah. do we do that, right? How do we get, and I don't mean sovereign money being, you know, a country to back a purchase, but how do we get a corporation or two to back the the, the purchasing of a player in terms of Adidas and Apple, right? Paying, paying mm-hmm. uh, a good amount of money to convince them to take a lower salary and come to the United States, right? So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation. I think you also have the side that's interested in again spending, but also securing a healthy wage structure, which is sort of where we find ourselves with the situation of Kai Wagner, right? A player who's making seven hundred thousand dollars, second highest paid, I think, left back, full back in the league behind Gressel, who is pushing to, in my opinion, land somewhere between. 1 million, 1.1, make more money than Gressel, but also not make more money than Daniel Gastag, who makes, I think, 1.2 mm-hmm. or 1.3, which is a lot of money for a left back, but nonetheless, one that just two matches ago had a hat trick of assists. So it's, uh, yeah. it's an interesting conversation here in terms of the spending and lack of or uh, not wanting to. All right. Um, which you guys don't find yourselves into that, I would think. I mean, you have Tepper at the helm, right? I think you guys are more binded by the league rules than anything. Well, that's that's kind of the debate. Uh, I think uh, a lot of fans here are, they know that we have a very wealthy owner and there's been some questions around why can't we, especially in the DP designations, you know, why can't we spend more? Um and I, I'm I'm going to talk about this in in, in our game because I want to get your thoughts on something else too. So let's let's hop to Charlotte FC's match. Uh, we put out a starting eleven, and it's really one of the uh, kind of the first few times that we see Enzo Capetti and Carol Swiderski on the field at the same time. Two DPS. Enzo's been hurt. Um. It, it was kind of interesting to see where they were going to slot in Swiderski. I think Capetti has his set role and responsibilities, but, you know, Swiderski, we're not really sure where he's best suited in this squad uh, with Enzo on the field, right? Um, so I want to ask you this. Uh, in your experience watching the, watching the union, have you guys had any issues with DPs maybe not clicking maybe two DPs that kind of maybe could play the same position. Like, has there been anything like that on, on your side? Not as of late. Um, I mean, we have two specifically, uh, and it gets funny, right? When you start thinking of people who are technically paid DP money, but with Garber bucks are paid down and no longer giving the DP tag. Sure. But our DP players, but, uh, one example right now would be Julian Carranza and, um, Mikel Ua, who complement one another, right? Both strikers that pressure the ball very well are in sync most of the time. Uh, but that's all super recent. <laughs> I mean, we can go back to Freddie Adu being a DP at one point, or maybe the DP rule wasn't there at the time. Uh, I, it certainly wasn't now that I think about it. Uh, yeah, that was the backup rule. Yeah. yeah, that's um, right. Marco Fabian, who was, mm. you know, the Mexican star who came from uh, Frankfurt. Eintracht Frankfurt, I believe. Um, I'm probably butchering that. Uh, English is my second language. Let, never mind <laughs> German. So, to to bring him and and 
you know, it not really work out has been really, was really interesting as well. So not nearly as bad as it seems here between Swiderski and Kopetti, which you would think that a false nine type of situation would work for them, right? Let Swiderski pretend to be, you know, like, a, no, let Kopetti pretend to be a point man, but let him drop back when given the ball. I, I would think that that would work, but it seems like this is sort of a, a situation that's not jiving too well. Well, they haven't had a lot of opportunities to to see if it works. One, but um, I, I think for this game it worked a little better. You know, I thought Enzo had a a pretty decent game. You know, he was putting a lot of pressure on the defense. Uh, he was causing problems all game, um, but nothing really seemed to come off. Um, you did get to watch. Uh, you got to watch a little bit of the game, right? I did. Okay, I, so, enough to notice that Bender cut his hair. That's well. I, it's funny that you say that because I'm I'm actually about to talk about Bender. So we played him out on the right hand side, and I I keep saying that I don't think Bender should be a starter. Interesting. Um, he's a, a one. He shouldn't be. I don't think he should be a starter. I think he should come off the bench and provide some energy. I just don't like him playing. 90 minutes or 70 minutes or, or whatever. Uh, and I thought he struggled um, Saturday night. Uh, and him starting puts another one of our DPs on the bench. So we have Camille Uzwiak getting paid money to sit the bench. Um, and I just didn't think that it worked. We also started Nathan Byrne on the right-hand side with uh, Yuri on, on the left-hand side. I thought DC, especially in that first half, had a lot of success down that side. Uh, Glicked probably should have scored twice. Yep. Um, had acres of space. Um, our, our shape was horrible. I, I just, uh, luckily, Burn kind of saved us a couple times with his speed as uh, DC was trying to counter. The first like 20 minutes of the game, I couldn't catch my breath. It was like end to end and just craziness. And it was an, <laughs> it was an amazing game. I, and I, I was like, all right, we're, we're, I think we can, we could take this. But one of the things that throughout the whole entire game just drove me nuts. And I definitely want to get your take on this. I think our players have a problem with being indecisive and scared to shoot the ball. And I think what they need to do, I think they need to stop worrying about people like us. And I'm pointing to me about what we, about what we, about what we say on these shows. I think they need to stop worrying about what the fans are going to say and think. And I think they need to play with a little more confidence. Uh, we had 14 shots, but only two on target. Just, it's just not good enough. And sometimes, you know, like Ben Bender, going back to him, he doesn't have a great left foot. So when he cuts in, he hesitates. We don't have somebody that can really cut in. Like, uh, like we have Vargas kind of on the right-hand side that can cut in and hit kind of that looping shot. Ben just doesn't have that. And he was really indecisive. I think our whole entire squad just wasn't clinical and i i do think that the team plays a little a little scared i think they're just worried of making a mistake what i like about swiderski and uh brick the de, hotere like they're they're not afraid to get the ball and try to make something happen and maybe they get the ball taken away from them but at least it's on you know in the in the final third uh 
Swiderski sometimes will do that in the middle of the field or in the defensive third and turns the ball over. But um, what are what are your thoughts on that? Do you think players maybe overthink things? Maybe they read too many press releases and uh, maybe listen to too many shows. <laughs> No, listen, this is this is the city where we have uh, um, Jacob Glesnus, right? The guy who has scored from 30, 40 yards out against the LAFC Atlanta, uh, the the volley against Red Bull that got us past the the one round in the playoffs. So every time that a player touches the ball from outside the 18, the majority, if not at least six or seven sections of the stadium are yelling, shoot. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they hear it from us and specifically... Uh, the supporter section, but yeah, you know, us as journalists, and I say that with air quotes, maybe I should give myself more credit, but uh, I think they hear it. And, you know, we fall into that from time to time here in Philadelphia, where we try to play the cutest way possible to try to just pass it in the ball, pass the ball into the net. When in reality, gosh, you're 18, 19, 20 yards out, let it rip. And that's exactly exactly what we saw this weekend with Jose Martinez, who 25 yards out unleashed a monster of a shot Mm-hmm. curl it into the net the side netting and came out and celebrated like his you know he just got married or had his kid for the second time <laughs> so it's 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 interesting to to see that and and no i totally get what you're saying uh, you you would hope that you know in practice this is something that they're practicing that it's not just you know <laughs> playing small sided games where they have to or they have yeah i guess they would have to tap in the ball into the tiny little nets or into the big nets whatever you want to call it yeah. And they would have some some sort of plays that make sense in terms of hitting from outside the 18, bending one in, curling one in, using the fenders and your own players as you know objects that get in the way of the keeper's view. But unfortunately, it's we, we fall into that, especially having fullbacks that are just great at running up and down the 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 field at you know crazy speeds and then cutting it mm-hmm. back and then trying to do another pass and another pass and break into the offense and trying to pass yeah. it in. You would just think. Just take a shot. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, ex- exactly. It, one of the things that happened during this game is that we we had somebody take a shot and it went off uh, a player's arm. Um, was it called a PK? And there's some weird new rules and stuff like that. So it's very highly debated. That was about- fascinating. That whole thing was so fascinating to me. Just yeah. it was to uh, as a neutral, Matt. So obviously a handball. Thank you. Okay, I just wanted to, I just wanted to see. I just wanted to see in here. Uh, I thought it was, of course, but I'm very, very, very biased. So, uh, but it, I'm glad that you that you thought so too. It's because uh, it happened in a, in another game um, b- before ours, I believe, and it was called a handball, and I feel like it should have been. Uh, Brant Bronico was the one that I believe shot the ball, and funny enough, he got called for something very similar last season and it was a pk and uh it, you know his hand was raised i i just don't see how it wasn't but uh you know we didn't get lucky uh but we had we definitely had our chances this game uh we had nine corners we're not very good on corners i, I have to say um we've had same nine- same thing in philadelphia you, yeah. you don't have to go much further you know we have some <laughs> We have some big guys when you think about Damian Lowe, you think about Jacob Glesnes, Jack Elliott, who we were talking about earlier. He's going to be, I never, you know, actually touched on your question, but yeah, he's going to be a big miss, right? Our, our, our defense over the last couple of years has been good. 
I would think oh, yeah. that very good. <laughs> I think that this year has been a, a regression, which is expected considering a lot of record years last year. But Elliot's just going to be a gigantic miss, especially with Damian Lowe having great performances, then going to Jamaica and having a good performance with the national team, dropping down very, very mm. fast, picking it up a little bit, dropping again. <laughs> oh, you think he's like the stock market in the way that he plays, <laughs> just up and down, up and down. So, uh-huh. yeah, he's going to be he's going to be sorely missed, and I fully expect that you guys will exploit that center back position um, on Wednesday. Let's hope. And we're definitely going to uh, preview that match here in just a second. But I have some uh, uh, kind of some interesting stats here. So we are second to last in offsides. I was just looking up random stats, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's it's good in, in the regard that we're not getting called for it, but it makes me wonder. We're literally second to last in the whole entire league, and I'm wondering if maybe we're not pushing up on him. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to really interpret that stat. But um I I did look Philly leads the league in penalties taken with 10. Um yes, yes, Daniel Gastag, that's the way that he has earned his money this year <laughs> in terms of of the way that he scores, right? He's earning that DP money by scoring penalty kicks over and over again. But to your point in terms of of the the offsides, to me Again, it's a neutral. It reads as a lack of desire to want to ride behind a defender's shoulder to try to break down that line. Yeah, but you could also see it the way you mentioned it, maybe of being just extremely disciplined. Uh, though I think the key to answer that question would be your goal differential. If your goal differential is high and your offsides are low, then I would think that you're incredible at it. <laughs> <laughs> if that isn't the case, which looking at where you guys stand, that isn't yeah. the case. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I have another stat. So um, before this weekend, we were, I think we were actually, actually we were third with the most goals allowed. I'm wow. happy to, I'm happy to report because we were number one for quite a while and it was very embarrassing. I am happy to report that we are now sixth in goals against. <laughs> We were number one. Now we're number six. We had a clean sheet uh, this past weekend, which was definitely uh, a positive because I think it that literally might be our third of the season, maybe, um, which is which is really sad. Well, if it gives you any hope or or any sense of relief, Miami is the second highest, if not yeah, second highest goal allowed, and they obviously have the best Argentine in the world. Granted, a lot of those goals were probably conceded prior to his arrival. So, oh yeah. Yeah. It all just means about form and where they are. And and frankly, with, with the way it's it feels like it's scripted this year, I would not <laughs> want to be Cincinnati uh, after maybe you all have to face him again <laughs> if you if you sneak into the playoffs into that first round of mm-hmm. you know, best of was it best of one, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping that we don't have to face him. There's there's some definitely some scenarios where he might not play us, but that will definitely get interesting. Uh, you know, he didn't play against Atlanta. Uh, there was kind of some weirdness there and they lost, you know, you were talking about goal differential, you know, Miami had five put past them. So, um, so yeah, uh, which was good for us to see because, you know, we're pushing for the playoffs and we definitely don't want Miami to catch us. And it looked like they were just going to, and I believe everybody thought they're just going to win out, right? They're just going to win every game. They're just handling everybody. But so it's good to like 
have them get knocked down a peg, even though, of course, Messi's not on the field, but that's always nice. <laughs> hey, I have a question for you, actually, now that you know, maybe we're going to start shifting over to previewing the match. And I'm intrigued about yeah. this with all of the conversation. Um, the numbers came out this morning for the attendance across the league for this past weekend in Philadelphia again. Uh, 104% sold out, meaning that, you know, there were a lot of uh, standing room only tickets sold. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way just about the entire season and even more so Miami. I think we were at 110, 115%, probably even higher. I'm intrigued to get your thoughts on your stadium situation. I saw that you guys had 30 some thousand people in there. Obviously, on the telecast, it's tough to get that feeling considering sure. how spread out everybody is right Right. you see a lot of long rows of empty seats and then you see a row that's full and then pockets etc is there is there what is the feeling of the fan base in terms of the stadium situation are you guys happy to have thirty-eight thousand that are spread out (laughs) because we in philadelphia love the idea of having nineteen thousand in a very intimate setting sure where you're shoulder to shoulder with people or, you know, there's really hardly ever an empty seat. I think the most empty I saw this year, which was kind of comical was the, the third place match for the league's cup. And that was more or less sort of the fan saying, listen, you guys, I don't want to swear. You guys really, okay. You guys, you guys (laughs) shit the bed against Miami. Yeah. We're not going to show up. And that's what happened where Mm. I think attendance might've been at not even, 50%, 50%, maybe 40% that match uh, at most. Uh, what's the feeling with you guys in the stadium? It's a big site. <laughs> Man, that is the million dollar question uh, or multi-million dollar <laughs> question, right? Uh, so first of all, you know, when it, it's funny, the the side that I sit on is where the camera is, right? But it's facing the other side. The side that I sit on is always more more full. It's, mm-hmm. it's the shaded side. So on the on the telecast, you know, there's going to be some gaps over there and they tried to open up the upper level. And if you notice, they opened up the upper level facing the camera, right? Like, yes. <laughs> uh, to try to make it, you know, look more full and, and everything like that. But the the big debate with our fan base is, do, you, do we like having 35,000 fans or do we want to get a soccer specific stadium where we only have 20,000, but then you're turning away, you know, potentially 10 to 15,000 fans. Um, it would, in an ideal world, we Panthers stay where they are. We build a soccer specific stadium kind of across the way. Uh, and we, maybe we could get a 40,000, uh, mm. seat stadium. Uh, I think I would love that. Um, and, uh, and of course, you know, we have turf, which, most people do not like that. And so it'd be nice to have grass. It'd be nice to have our own stadium and uh, not have to worry about uh, concerts because that was a big, uh, big to do. Um, so, yeah, that's that's definitely a topic that keeps being brought up here. It sounds like a Geodis Park situation would be very interesting for, for you all, right? A, a stadium mm-hmm. that seats 30,000. Uh, obviously, the attendance at these games in terms of being at a football stadium you'd have eight thousand or so to spare in terms Mm -hmm. of of you know bodies and i would (laughs) i would think that (laughs) ownership would be very reluctant to turn away eight thousand people but i mean you guys 
it's what this is year two, right? Or year year three? Yeah, and I, I think I, I know where you're going with this. It's year two, so you know there will there'll be some decline of right. fans coming in, right? So I, I think that's maybe what you're kind of maybe yeah. I was at. thinking yeah. about like you know five year data, right? Where sure. with the union, for example, having already ten years under our belt and fewer if you count that you know the year that we all experienced uh with with covid and not being able to make the games and you know everything that happened but it's been a steady incline and you know we're at the point now that fans are thinking when are we going to go to phase two of this stadium that was proposed Mm. which my understanding is would include a an additional party rooftop type of deck behind the current supporter section which would be very interesting i don't know how it would work if that would instigate uh what you guys are experiencing with beer gate <laughs> so, oh <my> God. <laughs> not sure not sure if putting regular fans behind the supporting fans would make sense but nonetheless yeah. adding more more space for for bodies to uh yeah. to attend considering that we're selling out uh a, a game against Cincinnati in the middle of the summer or late stages of the summer at 109%, I would think that, yeah, maybe we should. Uh, and yeah. you see how in tune I am with what you guys are having to go through with <laughs> equipment, photo equipment being ruined. It's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you guys have that going on in the supporter section? People throwing beers? Is, is it starting to be more common? I feel like it's just around everywhere. It's just starting to be more and more common. Yeah, maybe it's the Philadelphia way in terms that we just sort of go with it, right? We have a lot of a lot of folks who sure grumble and you know get a little upset, but after the second or third shower because we scored three or four, you sort of forget that it even happened. Um, yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't justify what I saw that one time of, of in terms of people aiming beers right. at people versus literally just you know out of excitement, plastic exactly. cups just up in the, yep. you know, like cheering versus yeah. going here, you know, like yeah, right at yeah. you. That's the thing. I mean, you always have a, a few bad apples that ruin it for everybody, right? Like, sure. you know, most people, I think they throw it up in the air. If you're in that section, you kind of know what you're getting into, right? But when you start like throwing the beer at someone or, you know, hurling what the beer's in at someone, that that's a problem. And the thing is like, if you're going to throw your beer at someone, just, I think you, there should be a role where you have to dump it on your head, your own head. Like, <laughs> the way the way I see it, Matt, that is a very expensive way to show joy, right? That's a for us here. Exactly. It's a sixteen, sixteen, seventeen dollar uh, a oh, year. Sure, yeah, sure. It's a tall boy, but nonetheless, it's sixteen dollars. Um, but have no, you man, guys, I mean, do you guys have plastic cups or is it? It can't. <laughs> depends on the game, honestly. Oh, uh, interesting. Okay. If it's a New York Red Bull game or a New York City FC or now Cincinnati, I think if those matches are happening at home, plastic cups are being used. So like if you go into the concourse, you get your beer right before you walk in. They literally put one or two employees to hand you a cup. You pour it and then you dispose of your um, metal can. Yeah. Any other game. Uh, you just have the beer vendors going up and down the aisle, just giving you a can. Oh, um, interesting. And, and yeah. I must admit, you know, I, I, I'm a proud season ticket holder of two seats in section 140, which is that they, I'm not part of it, but they dub themselves as the Keystone Ultras, which are a, an offshoot from the Sons of Ben, long story. But, you know, there's been situations where, and I'm a firm believer of general admission for supporter sections. I, I, I don't understand too much of, you know, assigned seatings for those sections. It just doesn't, you know, that I think that's what allows for these folks to sneak into sections that maybe shouldn't be in those sections. Mm. Like 
yeah. the mom and dad and the three kids that sat through a lot of uh, very foul words for 90 minutes because they had no idea. Whereas if it yeah. was general admissions, you have these people that want to say what they want to say and do what they want to do. Be with one another. Just let mm -hmm. them be. Nonetheless, long way to say um, that group is is very good at if there's somebody who's never been at the game and they throw a beer can on the field, they're not shy about pointing them out to security. So they're mm -hmm. they're very quick to say, you're not going to fuck this up for us. You yeah. got to leave. And they make sure that they are singled out. Security comes and gets them out. And it's usually, again, someone who's there just on a random game on the weekend, had too much to drink before the game and threw an entire tall can into the field and almost hit a player. So they, they don't uh, want it yeah, ruined for everybody else. Yeah. It, sometimes you have to self-police. Um, and sometimes, you know, you're in the heat of the moment. I, I get, you know, like... I don't sit in that section one. I'm I'm too old, uh, and I, I, you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like really focus on the game, and that doesn't mean that I'm not like talking to myself or yelling or anything like that. But like, you know, I don't want beer poured on me. Sure, sure. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I think that section, you know, you have to like self police, but also to like just have some common sense. I know everybody's excited and and everything like that, and like if you're going through a beer and that's the thing whatever but yeah when you start throwing it at people that's uh that's that's when other rules have to go in place uh that no one else wants you know um i look at england yeah you know. nothing never yeah. do you ever see that um is there is there a space around your stadium I, I i must admit i've never been to the football stadium nor have i uh looked it up but is there land and the reason i ask is because here in Philadelphia, we have the sporting complex down Broad Street, right? We have the Phillies, we have the Sixers, and the Sixers and the Flyers share the same facility for now. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's no space for a soccer field. We also have an owner that was not really interested in spending money and, and decided to go for super cheap land that they could get subsidized for the government out in Chester, Pennsylvania. So I'm not sure what the situation is in terms of space for you all uh, near, uh, is it Bank Bank of, it's not Bank of America, is it? Yeah, Bank right. of America? Okay. For Bank now. Of America. Uh, I think yeah. uh, there might be some changes soon. But yeah, no, there's definitely some land. There's always been talk. Uh, there's a place called Charlotte Pipe. Okay. Um, kind of on the other side uh, of the stadium, that's been a site that's been well rumored to put something there. Uh, but Tepper has been talking about, or there's been rumors about really updating Bank of America Stadium because it's actually one of the older NFL stadiums. Um, you know, it was built in 1996. So it mm, definitely yeah. needs <laughs> some upgrades. And, 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 and honestly, the, in 2021, 2022, they made some soccer specific upgrades to the stadium, uh, some video boards and a lot of cosmetic stuff. And I'm sure they had to do some stuff with the, the field. And when I say some stuff, uh, switch it over to turf uh, because Tepper mm. wants to do football, soccer and uh, concerts. And he wants to use that stadium every day of the year if he can, uh, which I get to a certain degree. But uh, when you're a soccer fan, you want that grass to be like carpet and you want it to be lush and green and you don't want anybody else <laughs> stepping foot on it. My guess is as soon as you introduce grass, that's where you say bye bye to the concert money because there's no way. Right. I mean, well, the Phillies have held concerts mid-season, but it's also during 
I don't know, like an eight game, 10 game, 12 game, you know, road and road mm. trip where you can yeah. give yourself the ability to regrow it and, and throw as much money as you need to. But right. yeah, I guess as soon as you introduce, I, I can't even, nobody would go to a concert in Chester. I don't think, I, I don't <laughs> even know if the stadium has ever, ever, ever held a concert, but yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting wrinkle, right? I mean, was it Beyonce that did not allow you guys to have a, um, a home game, right? That one time during the league's cup. Yeah, she, you know, the concert was scheduled way in advance before, sure. you know, Leagues Cup and everything like that and, and how this works when uh, when an artist comes in and they basically they rent the stadium and they kind of own it. So they can basically say get out. We're the only one that's, you know, we're paying for this. Get out. Uh we're here and especially if it's Beyoncé. Um and I think the team had kind of asked her you know, politely or not her, I'm sure they didn't go to her directly, but her people uh, and say, Hey, you know, could, could you maybe come in a little earlier or later and set up? And they were like, no, do you know who Beyonce yeah. is? Like this show takes like five days to set up. So my wife went to the version of it in uh, at citizens, not citizens bank park at Lincoln financial, the football stadium here for the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles and seeing pictures and videos that she brought back. Holy shit! That is an operation to, to yeah. put together that that type of you know that type of event. But uh, yeah, really interesting. Fun fun fact: I used to help out at a previous job. Uh, we had what was called the Lure Center at my alma mater, and I, I was fortunate enough to work for my alma mater at Shippensburg University. Anyways, as the youngest guy there and, and being the lowest in the totem pole, when an artist would come in, my job for a little bit, uh, other duties as assigned was to read through their contract and make sure that their rider, uh, meaning the little pieces of their contract, were actually you know enforced or I was actually <laughs> compliant. So like, yeah. If the artist wanted M and M's in their room, had to put M and M's because otherwise they could just cancel the show. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, that was stressful. That was a fun, so was a fun job to like go to Walmart and get M and M's and the chips that they absolutely wanted. Oof. And the reason I don't know if you know much about show business, but the reason they put riders on these things is to make sure that people who get the contracts actually read through them all <laughs> so they can yeah. be specific of if i don't have this many green m&ms on one bowl here i can yeah. cancel the entire thing and i still keep the money interesting huh. that's a pretty Fun good little, little trick yeah all right we are 50 minutes into this show i'm sorry <laughs> no 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 we are notorious about like going long and everything like that but i want to make sure we leave plenty enough time to talk about our match Wednesday night. Uh, it's a massive one for us. So if you guys can just like not show up and forfeit, that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, playoff implications for us, for sure. We unfortunately drop more points um, at home. Uh, it's like our third draw in a row. We have 11 on the season. Uh, we've dropped like 21 20 some points from winning positions. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's 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 been rough. So, you know, I said last game was a must win. <clears throat> Luckily, no one else in in the league wants to wants to win matches. So, we're technically still in this thing, but we have to have this one Wednesday, especially at home. As a Philly fan, what most concerns you about playing Charlotte FC? 
Uh, I don't think you have to look much further than than the the fact that in 2022, or October 1st, I remember this <laughs> thing very, very clearly because I was building uh, or I was putting together some furniture, some patio furniture and having the game on the background and thinking, wow, I, I, I hate doing this. And I also hate what I'm listening, especially with y'all, <laughs> you know, putting four past us. Um, yeah, I mean... Coming off of a very disappointing draw, which is, you know, coming from a place of privilege, right? To be very disappointed about a draw is is something that a lot of teams would probably love, right? Especially against an FC Cincinnati game. But having them on the ropes for, you know, 45 minutes and then coughing up two goals so ununion-like was disappointing. Uh, really what this team needs is to find itself again, you know, coming back from Toronto, and do, having a great performance, international break, then having the performance that we had against Cincinnati, we just need to put together, cobble together a nice path to using the baseball analogy, right, of getting hot at the right time, going into the playoffs, because I think the union will be very fortunate that at least the first round is more forgiving than ever before for the MLS, right? When it comes to playoffs, we, we are guaranteed at least one home game and Odds are that we will find a way to tie or win that because of the record that we have. <laughs> but this is a team that I have very little faith or very, very, very little confidence in going away from home and, and winning, never mind in a playoff situation. So I, I would think that Charlotte has the upper hand as well with the foreign type of field. We don't do well in these, in these, uh, these fields that have turf. We're just not used to that bounce. We're not used to that. Some say it's faster. Some say it's slower. Luckily, it's not in the middle of the summer, so their feet won't be burning 20 times hotter than it does on grass. So it's just so many factors that I just hope that the union are able to work through and find their way, unfortunately for you guys, to the union win. Uh, but I also see the other side of the equation where, again, does it make sense for the union to want to vie for a number two or a number one spot this year? I don't, I don't know, considering the little Argentine in Florida. Uh that yeah, so <clears throat> I don't want to jump ahead, but Vaughn, who who you're familiar with, definitely has some fun questions, and he wants to rehash what he asked on soccer and coffee, basically asking you guys to throw the game like I am. <laughs> but um, so you guys, you guys are sitting in fourth right now. You're you've got 47 points, uh, and yet you have a game in hand. You know, Cincy, Orlando, and New England all have to play 28. Y'all have to play 27. If you do win, I think uh, I'd have to look at some of the tie, you know, differential. But uh, you guys could be tied for for second, basically. Uh, but to your point, do you want to be second? You should probably just be fourth. So just be fourth. Don't 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 worry about it. <laughs> well, and that's a difficult thing because especially this season, and you know, when we talk about the record for Charlotte, make no mistake, this is as competitive as the Eastern Conference has been in a very, very long time, where I can see looking up and down at least the very top five. And honestly, Nashville being an outlier this year, I see a super competitive pack. I would be if I, as a union fan, I'm so afraid to, as fun as it would be, play Cincinnati. Orlando scares me just because you never know what you're going to get with them. That's New true. England, Maybe a little bit less with how badly they're self-imploding, though you must do, you must admit that despite selling off their future multiple times over the years, for them to be in second or third place, it's admirable. Columbus with uh, Wilfred Nancy coming from Montreal, I believe, uh, just really 
turning that team upside down and making them a, a, a great contender, having just gotten Gressel, somebody who obviously has been part of the conversation here in Philadelphia. And you can never discount Atlanta because of that home field. So up and down, this Eastern Conference is so incredibly competitive. Yeah. Never mind Nashville and what they have at Geodis Park. I, I would not want to go to any other places to go and play at one of you know one of the three matches. Yeah, um, Orlando has really surprised me this season. Yeah, you know, I kind of thought that you guys would be top of the top of the table, and Cincinnati, of course, uh, has been a a, a huge surprise uh, being that good. Um, <clears throat> but let, let me ask you specifically about the game. We talked about Jack being absent. Who, who will probably take his place and what will the midfield and the defense look like for you guys? Well, if we're looking at who's going to step in immediately, I would think that it had to be, or it would have to be, uh, Damian Lowe. They don't, depth is something that has been more of an issue than ever before for the Philadelphia union. And I've sort of attributed to the fact that the union have this past off season, meaning the first window, not this second window that we just uh, went through where we added Ty Baribo, the Israel um, national. This is the very first time in a long, long time. And if there's people listening who, who follow this better than I am, please correct me in the future. But I can't remember in a long time, the Philadelphia union being so involved with intra-league trades to get players. Mm. We had Andres Perea from Orlando come to Philadelphia, did not work out. He's now on loan in New York City. We have Damian Lowe, who we got off of Miami, maybe part of the sell-off that Miami had to go through due to the issues that they had with their roster a couple of years back. I'm not sure. Ultimately, he came home, having mm -hmm. been part of the Reading United AC team, which was part of the farm system at, at one point. But now, since... MLS Next Pro and everything. That's not really the case, I don't believe. So he came home. Uh, and then Joaquin Torres, who came from Montreal, I believe, who outside of the first game and maybe a couple of occasional moments of, you know, brilliance, two probably I can count in one hand, has not seen much time and has just really been a player that you see warm up on the sidelines. This team doesn't have much uh, in terms of depth. Um, flock. Uh, who is a center defensive mid could be back by the end of the season, though. That seems like they're rushing their, his hip situation. He went from potentially being out of this out for the rest of the season to going to Germany for a second opinion and trying a new procedure and potentially being back in two weeks, which is a, a huge Crazy. difference for, yeah. for a sports a hernia. Oh, um, yeah. But the way I see it sort of lining up, it would be, where, where did you low. say he was going to go get that surgery or got a second opinion? We have we Germany. have a player, we have a player that has a hernia that's been out. Um, Hamade uh, Diop, he's yeah. been out for a very very long time. It's it's been disappointing because you know young prospect and uh, uh -huh. maybe uh, if anybody's listening, send him to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reach out to the Philadelphia. Union. I'm sure they would love to get you in touch with that doctor. I mean, to go from yeah. missing the rest of the season to potentially coming in two to three is sort of. Uh, a shocking turn of events, but yeah. Uh, if you're thinking of the lineups for this this week, I would think Glessness, Low, Mbizo, Harriel. So maybe going four in the back. Then Martinez. Well, Kai's here, so maybe not. I mean, I don't know. You could divide it in many ways, but I would think Low would be the immediate replacement for Elliot. Maybe go. Yeah, Glessness, Low, Mbizo. 
Harriel, Martinez, Bueno, Gastag, Carranza, Ua. You know, once you get to the front two or three, it's a completely different conversation because, you know, you have your tried and true people that you can rely on on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, yeah. And Ty Baribo, who comes in for 20, 30 minutes as he's just sort of joined uh, the team. So it's going to be a tough match for you guys. I, I, I truly believe that considering <laughs> what I saw in terms of being pressured by the first line of defense being the strikers that uh, Kalina had a couple of uh, issues with it this past game. Yeah. <clears throat> and honestly, you know, I, I've been very critical of Kalina, his distribution, but I, I've got to say this, this past game, he actually did a hell of a job. Okay, good. Keeping the ball in bounds, because let me oh. tell you, <clears throat> and I, I, you know, I was not on the show after the Nashville game. And I want to say this real quick. The goal that we allowed in the 98th minute, which was bullshit, by the way, that um, it went that long. That whole thing started, and I it's the little things that add up to big things. Kalina gets gets a ball, and we're trying to kill off the clock, right? We're winning on the road. We're going to steal, steal a victory in Nashville. Kalina gets the ball, and he just directly kicks the ball out of bounds, which led to the, to the, to the other thing coming down the field and everything like that. And like I said, it's a little thing, but he's been notorious about like, launching the ball up the field but just kicking it out of bounds and but i will say this last game he did a great job i thought with distributing the ball making a good decision whether to kick it long or play it short which has been another uh sticking point for me he, he tends to make the opposite opposite decision of what i would what i would do um and also he did a great job of using his face to to block a shot so uh, i thought he played i thought he played really really well <laughs> that that he did and you know we're we're it's it's funny you know having gone through a couple of situations with goalkeepers here in philadelphia prior to andre blake pissing the ball away left and right right so i i see a lot of comparisons between charlotte and what the philadelphia union had gone through as they've grown into this role of being a top three top four team every single year there's a lot of you know, a lot of narratives that sort of translate to what you guys are going through. So it's, 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 it's tough to say growing pains for a fan base as big as yours, right? With 38,000 people showing up, but it truly is growing pains. And, and, you know, from your conversation with, um, I apologize, the name escaping me, but the sporting director just, how candid, yeah, Yeah. how candid he was about the the difficulties of, building this team during that time in in the world of COVID and having to explain to agents via Zoom the rules and everything, just fascinating. Yeah, I I can't thank him enough for for coming on. And again, just the organization being a little more open and uh, getting some of the front office folks uh, on on these types of shows, because I, I, I think it helps the fans a little bit when they're they're frustrated and they they have a lot of questions. One of the things that one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, you you always have a good perspective, someone that's not in our little bubble here. Um, but we we talked about Cincinnati. Cincinnati was god awful when they first came into the league. Now look at them. So that gives me hope. And and I the 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 sad thing is, I think everybody kind of looked at Atlanta United. And was like, oh, that's what that's what we should do. 
and it's just an outlier LAFC, right? <clears throat> and that's not the norm. Uh, so I, I, that gives me hope. And, you know, I'd love to get your kind of take on that. Like, do you think it's, it's normal to like, want to be like Atlanta United and then start off strong like that? Or is it more like, like you guys, when you guys kind of first started or any other team besides LAFC and Atlanta United? <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I would I would think that first you'd need to, and I think it's going to be announced soon, you'd have to poach Ernst Tanner the way that Chris Albright left for Cincinnati in, in terms of getting a, a very competent and if not super savvy um, sporting director to run the show and get the right acquisitions in terms of players plucking them away, whether you have the wallet that we have with a lot of dust bunnies or you have the wallet that Temper gives you that has a lot of dollar bills in it. Finding yeah. the right people is the, is ninety eight percent of the battle. The other two percent comes down to coaching and, and atmosphere, which I think is is very very important. But I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, honestly I don't think it's a healthy thing to start that well, right? Because it can only go down from there, right? I, I can't imagine the, the the amount of pressure that LAFC and Atlanta go through to to figure out every single season how do we how do we yeah. make this work? And you know, the one image that's still seared into my mind, mainly because it was disastrous for Philadelphia losing to LA, but I think it was extra time. Substitutions are happening. Two players go to the line, one for LA, one for Philadelphia. Chris Donovan, Drexel's own, just out of college, Philadelphia Union player goes up to go in. On the other side for LAFC, Gareth Bale. When you think about the dichotomy and approaches, that's exactly what you see. Yeah. And, and the wage discrepancies. Right. And like um, it, it, it was funny. Uh, I can't remember who, who put this out, but it was like Andrew Privet, who plays in our back line, who's playing out of position, who gets paid. Was it maybe sixty five thousand dollars a year? Who's marking messy? Who probably makes that, I think every five minutes, <laughs> like I think there's something like that. So, um, yeah, I think some roster rules need to need to happen. Right. Cause I think you, you mentioned it earlier in the show, like something's got to give, you know, Miami, uh, it has invested heavily, uh, whether they're following roster rules again, who knows, but, uh, something's gotta, something's gotta give. Yeah, especially when you think about and, and you know going back to the Kai example, right? You think about that situation and Kai wanting to get paid DP money, but he is sort of handcuffed in a way because of the way that the CBA has stood, right? Where the only place within the league that can give him the money that he wants is Philadelphia. Because if you look at the free agency portion of the CBA within page 101 through 105, and I'm an idiot who read most of it, Kai is capped at 15% of his salary now in Philadelphia anywhere else within the league, which is by far one of the most unbelievable things, the least player-friendly things that I've ever seen. And I'm actually surprised that the MLSPA agreed to it, right? To be Kai and say, shit, guys, I could be making... 1.2, 1.3 million dollars within this league if you let me, because I would think that FC Cincinnati would line up to pay him that type of money, but he can't because he is handcuffed to only making 15% more than he does in Philadelphia unless he leaves the country or Philadelphia yeah. gives it to him, which Ernst Sander has again very clearly outlined no, we're not going to do that. So it's a game of chicken at this point, but 
to your point of rules. Things just got to change. Be more player friendly, especially with teams that need or want to spend money. Just let them in a healthy way, incrementally. Don't just open the floodgates, have... Not that it's going to get to this with sovereign wealth, but right, <laughs> this is not going to be Saudi Arabia. This is that's yeah. not what we're trying to build here, but rather yeah. increase budgets by twenty percent the first year, five, ten, fifteen, whatever. Just yeah. do it gradually. It's 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 fascinating, and I think we're going to see a lot happening come December tenth. I think the the day after mm-hmm. the MLS final, uh, yeah. December twelfth. I think a lot of conversations are going to be start are going to be happening, or you know, the week after once the dust settles on you know the champion, etc. But things are going to change, and, and coaches are open to it. And Alejandro Bedoya, being the representative for the mm-hmm. union, is even calling for them not to himself or within the locker room, but to the press, letting us know that things have to change, and I think they will change. This is an inflection point. Yeah, I, I agree, but I do think, kind of to your point, it, it can't be opened up the floodgates because this league has had a sustainability issue, and you got to look at, and I'm, I'm sure the league is looking at some of the smaller markets, how would they ever compete with L.A., you know, or, you know, teams, you know, in Miami or, you know, or whatever. So, um, so I, I think they'll have to tweak it a little bit as they go, but I, I agree. I think Messi coming here is going to blow the doors off of a lot of rules and have a lot of people be like, hey, wait a minute. Um, you're letting them do all of this stuff. And <laughs> yeah. LAFC with, with the bail move to everybody was kind of like, wait a minute, how's he getting paid? How are you guys doing this? Um, so I, I think all the other owners are going to be like, no, wait a damn minute. Uh, we want to we want to talk about this. Listen, there's there's someone that I follow on Twitter. Uh, if you guys are ever interested in sports law, you can listen to Dan Lust uh, on Twitter. He does a podcast that's really good uh, where law and sports sort of intersect. Really, oh, really good show. Doesn't talk cool. about soccer a whole lot, but he gets into a, a few conversations about that, especially when big things in soccer happen, like LAFC sure. winning, etc. But also Andrew uh, Visnovsky, uh, whose Twitter handle is Andrew v-i-s-n-o-v sky uh, on twitter he is a sports lawyer that does focus on soccer and he has a tiktok where he's broken down tam deals and he broke down how the bail move happened and frankly how that should be named you know how we have the beckham rule aka the dp uh-huh. player yeah. <laughs> rule I feel like the Gareth Bale move is exactly what happened with Jordi Alva. So, uh, yeah, that should be that should be something. But if, if, if you're if you're a nerd like that, I cannot recommend those guys enough. Yeah, give it give give that information again one more time because that's that's interesting. Yeah, Andrew Visnovsky, Andrew V I S N O V S K Y. Uh, okay. He is with Vela Wood Attorney Attorney and Counselors. Uh, <laughs> Nice. Really, really interesting guy. He okay. has a TikTok as well, and he tries to stitch together three or four uh, TikToks to sort of walk through one specific topic. Which you know, nice. I've, I've messaged him and said, maybe this isn't the platform for, for what you're trying to do here. But <laughs> all, all ultimately, super, super interesting. So I, I recommend him to take a listen, follow him, and then uh, learn learn yeah. a lot about this this league that has too many rules way too many roles it's so unbelievably confusing but um um i'm gonna call it audible we're not gonna do fan questions because i feel like we 
we've covered a lot of the questions that were asked, but one of the questions pertains to MLS Next Pro. And I don't know if you know, but Crown Legacy has done pretty damn good this year heading into the playoffs. But I would like to hear what it's been like on your side. Have you been able to, I know it's another game you have to go to, another team you got to try to cover. Uh, have you had a chance to really talk to uh, talk to the players or, or, or cover them at all? Yeah, I must admit I, that's maybe been tough, right? Where I leave Sundays or the days that they are not playing on the weekends to to be with my family or do sure. other things. So, you know, if I'm able to put in the background, great, right? So glad that the MLS Next Pro games are available on YouTube, a platform, mm. obviously free. We can just get on there. Um, I'm not sure if they're locked behind MLS on Apple TV mm. or not, but anyhow, you can get them on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, I've been to one game and it was a really exciting game because that's when Wrexham came to town. Um, and I got to watch mm -hmm. the young guys finally get the opportunity to play in front of, I think we had a crowd of eight, 9,000, which is more than these players ever got probably maybe a few less, but nonetheless, it was the biggest crowd that they ever got to play in. Nice. Um, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. It was, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. And for us, it's been really an, an avenue to allow some of these players that the Quinn Sullivan's of the world, the Raffanellas of the world here in Philadelphia, um, that just don't get the opportunity to see a field a whole lot, but ultimately are deserving of, of playing time and needed to continue to develop um, mm. because that's exactly what happened with a Jesus Bueno or a Jack McGlynn, right? They went through the gauntlet of playing for MLX, MLS Next Pro. And now you see them as constant contributors to this team. So yeah. I, I commend you guys for what you're doing and hopefully that yeah. yields something good for the future. It can't not yield yeah. something. Yeah, it, it's been a, a a real joy to watch this team uh, because the just the the fun thing about this team is that you could you could turn the game on at the 89th minute and we'll be losing. And your first thought is, oh, we got a couple minutes to, to, to tie this up or win it. <laughs> and that's an amazing feeling. And they've done it all season long. It's not just like a one off thing here or there. It's like. Second half, they're coming for you. You can't you can't let up at all because we're going to just ram it down your throat. It is <laughs> it is awesome to see. Eric Hill, uh, one of uh, our Mint City Collective officers, had a had an interesting question, and I, I, I'm going to let you answer. Okay. So he's all right. So Eric Hill asked, Crown Legacy is wrapping up their regular season. A fun quirk to their postseason yeah. is the fact that they, they being top of the East will get to handpick their, you know, first postseason opponent. Uh, he's wanting to ask, how would you go about making that decision? <laughs> uh, is it just the lowest ranked team um, that you've, and maybe a team you've already beat this season? Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how to, I, I don't know. Yes, like who do you want to play? Like I would not want us to play Huntsville because that's kind of been our boogeyman team in a way. Yeah. So I would probably stay away from them. But uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Any other team, I'd be like, yeah, bring them on. We'll kick the shit out of anybody. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I would think for the Philadelphia <laughs> Union two specifically, I would say probably the New England team. Um, that's that's the game where. <laughs> 
<laughs> Chris Donovan went up for a head ball. Uh, the player, the defender did the thing where they sort of like duck and Chris Donovan just mm. went on his back. Chris mm. Donovan got up and just shoved the hell out of the player and then almost got into a fight. So I'm guessing that yep. tempers are high and, and that would be a fun game to watch. Um, so I would probably pick them. But if I was, if that rule was to plot was to apply for the MLS proper, I think that's mm. an even more interesting question. And for Philadelphia, and I'd love to hear your take on the Charlotte side, but for Philadelphia, I would say DC United. And here's why. Audi Field is basically Subaru Park 1.5. We send so many fans to Audi Field that we pack two or three supporter sections every Mm -hmm. single time that we go down uh, 95 to DC. So... Mm -hmm. do they do they sit you up in that corner where it, you know it's like a vertical climb up to where you sit? Yep, we, we packed that entire section and yeah, then nice. one over okay. as well. So it's okay, yeah. it's it's fascinating to see and and they're they're you know I was talking to Jesus Bueno this week uh, after the match and I asked them you know is this game Cincinnati is this becoming a more relevant rivalry than the New York teams or even Maybe. DC and he's a starting to feel that way i mean we new york red bulls hasn't beat us in 11 or 12 games new york city fc i don't think the players really count any losses or wins when they play in that mickey mouse field (laughs) out in in the bronx (laughs) so there's that and dc is sort of home away from home so i would think that for the playoffs especially with this round of three best of three why not have a home and away game that both feel like home so uh dc would be my choice yeah, no, that's that's interesting because that makes me think of Atlanta, right? For for <laughs> us, I mean, we just yeah. we, we went down uh, to their stadium this year and 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 beat them. Um, so yeah, that might be because you you can get a lot of people going, right? And that's what you want. You want mm-hmm. a lot of fans going. So uh, <clears throat> that's interesting. I have a follow up question that Eric has um, from Charlotte FC and Crown Legacy com- combo standpoint. Do you go all out and load up legacy, meaning take Charlotte FC players, bring them down? Do you load them up to try to try to win this whole thing? I think Eric Hill is a baseball fan because that's what happens with <laughs> that's what happens in the in the minor leagues, right? Just this week, I think it was press release after re- press release from the different double um, A AA and triple A teams with bodies moving up and down and. The yeah. Phillies sending two or three should be MLB players yeah. to the Iron Pigs in the Lehigh Valley for Triple uh, A to play. Uh, I don't know. That's that's a tough question. I, I I don't know that Philadelphia puts too much stock into what happens in MLS, MLS Next Pro. I, I know mm. Ernst Tanner and Jim Curtin have instructions for Marlon LeBlanc on a you know weekly basis hey we want to see this or you know try this try that that type of thing with specific players i think mm-hmm. even your sporting director mentioned as much in your conversation with you guys right having that conversation with 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 coaches and whatnot mm-hmm. that um if that's if that's the one thing that charlotte's gonna win this year then maybe that is the thing because your season <laughs> could very well be over october 21st right that's that's very true now from a outside perspective, would you consider if we were to win the championship, but we added a bunch of first team players, would you would you consider that as kind of like, oh, that's cheap as hell? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I could see the argument, especially the team that you face off in the final, right? Yeah. What are they going to feel like? Uh, though a good question would be, do the MLS next pro teams get a star on their crest if they win this? Oh, I don't know. I will probably get one. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when we, when we win. <laughs> what a flex. We'll probably get one. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, you know, honestly though, I, you know, we, we have like, you know, Brandon Cambridge, Patrick Agamain, who's, who's done really great on crown Lexi and jumped up to the first team, Patrick Agamain. He's, he's been kind of like a mainstay now on our first team. I, I kind of, honestly, I, I don't want our first team players to go down. Uh, I, I like the squad that we have. I want them to win it um, just because they've played so well this season. Um, I, I, I don't think I'd want that. I, I think I'd, I, I want the, the guys that, that got us there to, to win it all, and I, I think they definitely can. How many players for that team, the Crown Legacy, how many of them are on MLS contracts that play Mo- on a weekly basis? Uh, so... A good bit of them are actually technically Charlotte FC players, but okay, they they spend you know ninety nine percent of their time at Crown Legacy. You know, Agamemnon, Brandon Cambridge are kind of like outliers. Uh, you know, we've we've you know even Ben Bender has been down to Legacy. I think a game or two. Uh, we just loaned out Chris Hagar, but he kind of like flipped between both teams. Uh, but a lot of those guys, and, and maybe a lot of people don't know, is that they're most of the squad, I think, are technically Charlotte FC roster, you know, signings uh, that just. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, you know, MLS rules are weird. And then now you throw in uh, MLS Next Pro and all those kind of bizarre roster rules. And, you know, if you're if you're a Crown Legacy player and you go up to the first team, you can you can only play a certain amount of games and it's very little before you, it, it hits the cap on, on the first team. It's, it, it's crazy. Just another dimension. But um, let me ask you about the, the MLS next pro rules. Um, no, no ties. Uh, you get a point at the end of regulation and then you go into PKs. Do you like that? Or do you like old school the way it is? Well, let's just call it the leaks cup uh, approach. <laughs> That's exactly what we got. Um, I must admit, having gone to all but one game of that crazy seven-game stretch in one month that was Leaks Cup, at least for us, <laughs> seven games, um, it's it was refreshing. It really was because it, yeah. it sort of meant that every game had to end with a victory and the highs and the lows, the highest of the highest and the lowest of the lowest, you sort of felt, right, to, yep. at least for us, win two penalty shootouts leading to the Miami loss. We experienced a lot. <laughs> so yeah. to get that on a weekly basis, I think that would be sort of exciting. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, though the purist in me thinks, man, just more ammunition for the Euro snobs to come at the MLS. True. Very true. Yeah. We have an infer- inferiority complex as it is here anyway. We, <laughs> we worry uh, a lot what other people think of this in uh, this league. So. Um, some of the other rule changes, though, that I kind of like is if you go down for an quote unquote injury and you have to have treatment, you have to come off the field for a certain amount of time. So it kind of cuts down on this like, let me lay here 
in the dying minutes of a game um, <clears throat> and just waste time and then go to the sideline and then immediately come back onto the field, which I think is so asinine to be, to be honest. So I kind of like that rule that when you come out, you got to come out. I would describe that to be a good rule too. Um, it gives me vibes of adult men's soccer, right? Where if, or at least high school <laughs> indoor soccer rules where like you get a yellow, you got to come out for two to three minutes. Uh, at least <laughs> that's like how ho- it was hockey right. rules in a way. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah sort bit. of hockey rules. Yeah. Um, it, it, I think, I think that would be a welcome addition though. I do and see, I do see the MLS maybe taking the premier league approach of having these incredible amounts of added time at the end where I don't think I've watched one Manchester city or, or any, even today's game with uh, Burnley, I think plus eight plus nine at a time where, you know, like yeah. we're not just going to give you anything sub five. We're just going to make sure that every single minute yeah. is accounted for. Um, so pick your poison, right? Yeah. Do you have to come out or do we just go ahead and tack it on? And if you're winning, shoot more of a possibility for you to get scored on. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I, I feel like they're trying to test some rules in MLS next pro to see if it's uh if it's something they want to bring over to the, to the, the main event. So, oh, man, it's, it, it really does feel like baseball, right? Minor league where they tried the, the pitch clock, then they That's tried right. the, the bigger bases. I think they also tried the, uh, they were also the testing ground for the pitch out. Let us know that it counts as four pitches, and then you mm. get your you get your base as a batter. Uh, I think that was also tested in the minor. So it's interesting. I I highly doubt that any of that makes its way. Unfortunately, yeah. again, trying to stay true to the global game, especially yeah. with 2026 around the corner. Never mind 2024 with uh, Copa America coming here to the U.S. Then you have 2025. I think it's. Uh, the club world cup being in the United States as well. Uh, and then 2026 with the big event, I can't imagine that that FIFA would be too thrilled to see that that one league specifically is trying all these really weird things, but who knows? <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a very, very good point. All right. Before we wrap up the show, I've got to get your score prediction for, for Wednesday. So let's, let's, <sighs> let's see what you got. I think it's going to be a, I really do see this being a two, one, win for charlotte i think that a tie the way that the union tide breaks teams uh Mm. really took a toll on that team i mean i kid you not when i was in the mix zone talking to the players you could have sworn that they just lost six nothing the way that they were talking yeah the way that heads were sort of hanging um just a, a really interesting atmosphere with the players that I, I wonder what type of bounce back and we'll hear about it tomorrow with um, Jim Curtin and his press conference at noon. I'd, I'd be really intrigued to hear, you know, what's the mood in the locker room, which of course he's not going to probably tell me the truth, but nonetheless, he'll say something. Uh, but yeah, no, I think two, one um, playing away from home stuff for Philadelphia never mind doing it at a place where last time we were there, we lost four, nothing kind of, yeah. kind of tough to way to see the light. I like that. Uh, I I think uh, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, this probably the safe bet would be it's going to be a draw, but I'm going to say I say we win one to nothing. Uh, kind of building off um, our clean sheet from last game. I think we're getting a little better in the midfield, which is helping our defense. Um, so that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. 
I'm hoping to see some roster changes. I do not want to see Bender out on the wing. And, uh, you know, Scott Arfield for us has really done well um, coming into this team. So I wouldn't be shocked if he starts. But I'm going to say one to nothing. And um, maybe next year when we play each other, you need to come down and uh, visit and hang out with us. You know, I had hoped I was sort of thinking about it with my work and travel um, just didn't pan out. But if you I guess, is it? Yeah. Next time it's in Philly or it's in Charlotte. Let's try to figure yeah. something out if it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I need I to I need to get up there for sure. That's one of the one away days I haven't done. It's easy right off of the airport 95. Just right down and you're hitting the stadium or the stadium's hitting you before you know it. So if you guys are mm-hmm. ever in town, let me know. I know David and um Skull man, um, uh, Chico, Chico, yeah, Lamar needed. Uh, yeah, we weren't able to connect that one game, but yeah. that sort of evolved yeah. into us having the conversation today. So, yeah, yeah whenever you guys are in town, feel free. I was, to reach I was out. about that. What, how long of a drive is that? Do we know from from Charlotte? Charlotte to, to, yeah, oh man, I wonder, uh, if, I wonder if Chico drove because that's kind of like his <laughs> crazy, crazy I would thing. Think that's, I would think that's nine hours no. 10 he'll, hours he'll do it he'll do it he will do it yeah that's a that's all long trip i i drove with him up to cincinnati there and back the same the same night so wow i wouldn't put it past chico driving so yeah I, you know that's that's uh that's a place i haven't been so i may have to that may be on the list next year is this where you were asking him all the questions on on video that's right <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm so in tune with your nonsense. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I appreciate it. No, it was it was such a great trip on the way up there, on the way back. I was like, why in the world did I decide to do this with him? Like, this is so stupid to drop up there, go to the game, and then drive home. It's so dumb. That's so. Yeah, that's yeah. that's an Airbnb for sure. Never mind a hotel. God. Yeah, so ridiculous. <laughs> well, thank you so much for jo- joining the show. You've been um, hopping on with uh, soccer and coffee. Uh, we're not going to do that Wednesday because I got to work and everything like that, but hopefully you can make the next one. And I would say good luck Wednesday, but we really need you guys to lose. (laughs) We really need to win. You guys can afford to lose. We cannot. So just, just give us one. All right. Yeah. I know. I know if we were across the table from one another, you'd be kicking my kneecaps right now, (laughs) hoping that, you know, something bad happens, but no, it's, it's, I appreciate the opportunity. It's been it's been fun to follow along with everything that's going on with Charlotte and the way that you guys are developing a club, especially during this during the uncertain time, and then now going out of it and, and really getting into the you know ride of creating an MLS team. It's been it's been fun to watch. Uh, I'm sure a lot of highs and lows, much like what we experienced, but nonetheless a, a fun fun as a as a bystander. That's for sure. But I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you so, so much, and we will talk to everyone later.